You're listening to a sermon by Hope Bible Church Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at hopeniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. You know, it's, it's really gripping the way that the Bible talks about the brevity of life. We think about some different passages. We were in one last week that said that the, uh, where the Bible tells us, God's Word tells us, that our lives are like a mist or a vapor, like the morning fog that's, that's there, it's thick and it's heavy, and then the, the sun comes up and what? It's, it's gone. There's other passages like uh, Psalm 102 that likens our lives to smoke, right? It's like thick smoke. We had some smoke this summer that was kind of, you know, hazy, and maybe for some of you it affected your breathing. But you go outside today, and it's, it, it's gone. It, it's cleared, and uh, it, it was here. You could smell it. It was visible, and then it vanished. Or, hey, there's, uh, Psalm 39 says that our lives are like a handbreadth. Now, think about that, a handbreadth. Maybe you've got bigger hands than me. means you're going to live longer than me, but a handbreadth. You're born, you know, maybe you go to, you go to uh, nursery school and then maybe to elementary school and then well, eventually high school and then college and you get married, you get a job. That's it. Life is like a, a handbreadth. Psalm 144 said that our lives are like a breath. That's it. We're here and we're gone. All these metaphors illustrate for us a vitally important truth. Life is short. Your life, even if you live to be 80, 90, 100 years old, is very, very short. And realizing this affects us in different ways. Uh, for, for many people, the, the realizing that life is short creates in them real anxiety. I mean, anxiety about, about the reality that death is coming, and beyond that, eternity. But of course, for the followers of Jesus, we know that we don't need to be anxious in those ways. We have a Savior. We have, we have a great Savior who gives us real peace that comes from a real hope. We need not fear the grave. We need not fear judgment that come. We need, we need not fear eternity because... We have Jesus. But there's another kind of anxiety lots of people feel, and it's about being overwhelmed. When you think about life being so short, it can feel there's an anxiousness of being overwhelmed. Like, there's so many choices. There's so much I could do. There's so much I feel like I should do. There, there's so many people telling me what I ought to be doing, and so little time, and I feel so incapable of doing most of it. We can sort of feel paralyzed and overcome with being overwhelmed, that kind of anxiety. But you know what? God doesn't tell us that our lives are short. He doesn't teach us about the brevity of life in order to make us anxious. No, no, not at all. After all, Jesus is a great Savior, and God assures us that he will supply for us whatever we need to do whatever he wants us to do. So we don't have to worry. He'll, he'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the resources to do whatever it is he wants you to do. So you don't need to be racked with anxiety. I'm talking about the brevity of the life this morning, not to fuel your anxiety. If you're in Jesus, you don't need to have anxiety over that. But what I do want you to have is a sense, not of anxiety, but a sense of urgency. Urgency. A godly response to the brevity of life should be a real sense of urgency because I've got one life. I got one shot at this, and it's also very short. It's a mist. It's a handbreadth. It's a breath. That's what I got. That's what you got. And so what we want to do as the followers of Jesus is we want to make the most of this brief time we have. But how do you do that? How do you, how do, you do that? I mean, what do you do? Where do you focus if you're going to make the most of your life. Again, there's, there's so many options, so many books, so many podcasts, so many competing priorities pulling at us, and so little time. I know I can't do everything, so what's the main thing that God would have for me? What, what do we do if we want to make the most of this one short, precious life that the Lord gives us? Well, you know what? One of the many, many things I love about Jesus is he teaches us great, big, important things with real clear simplicity. And he boils the whole thing down into two simple words. He's like, you want to make your life count? 
you want to make the most of this breath, this hand breath, this mist, this vapor you've got. You want to make your life count. You want to live with fresh, godly, holy urgency. Then just do this. Two simple words. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. That's it. There it is. Mark 1.17. Jesus said, isn't this great? Isn't this so refreshing? Jesus is like, there's so much noise, so many things pulling me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Jesus says, here, hey, 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 look here, look here. Follow me. Isn't that great? And he didn't just say it once. It's all over the place. I'll look at another verse here. In um, John 12, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So it's, how do I please God? What, what, what does God want me to be? What's God's passion for my life? What's his plan for me? What's his purpose for me? It's to follow Jesus, to follow, to follow him. Or how about, uh, I love this one, John 21, where uh, Jesus, is, it's the last recorded words of Jesus speaking directly to Peter. I love this. Isn't this great? This whole great relationship between Jesus and Peter. And here we go. Here's, here's his last recorded words of Peter. You follow me. You follow me. Now, if you're into marking up your Bible ever, maybe today or whatever today, I don't mark up my Bible. That's just my thing. It's just, it's, don't judge me. It's just the way I am. I, I believe in reading the Bible. I just, I just don't mark it up. If you mark up your Bible, then you want to go to John 21, 22 and just circle that. And when it says you there, you can draw a little line. It says, he's talking to me. He's talking to you. You follow me. If we want to make the most of our lives, if we want to live on purpose, if we want to make our lives count, Jesus says, we ought to follow him. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is a follower of Jesus. It's Christ follower. And that's what our new teaching series here is all about. It's called, I am a Christ follower. I am a Christ follower. Notice, living life for what matters most. This is what we want to be about. We want to be about doing what matters most. There's so many competing demands and so many differing priorities, but what we want to do is we want to do what Jesus calls us to. At the end of the day, ultimately, when you boil it all down, what are we to do? We're to follow him. I am a Christ follower, living life for what matters most. This is our new teaching series here starting today uh, for this fall, for, for the next few weeks, but it's more than just a new series for our church is also a new season in our church. The elders together want to lead us in a path in which we want to be refreshed, refocused, renewed, recharged, and really to review why is it we're here? What, what, are, we, what are we called to do? Well, Jesus says, follow me. So are we doing that? Are we actually following Jesus? And, and how, how would we be able to tell if we are? Like, what does it look like at Hope Bible Church Niagara to follow Jesus? Well, that's what this series is all about. That's what this 5G life is all about. It's this new teaching series called the 5G Life that is also for us today becoming our sort of our new way, our refreshed way of thinking about and talking about what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, just so you're really, really clear, just super clear right up front so you know this, this 5G life, this model we're going to teach, what we're, uh, the, the content of this is not original to us. Didn't, it didn't originate here. We've, got, we've downloaded all kinds of this from our parent church in Oakville, Hope Oakville. And I've got to tell you something, it wasn't original to them either. We got it from others. Uh, but what we're doing here is we're, I'm writing my own sermons, okay, just so you know. I'm writing my own sermons, all right? So don't get, don't get too worried about that. But, but what we're doing, though, is we're saying, you know, this is a this is a helpful biblical way of equipping us to focus on the main thing in our lives, following Jesus. And what, what does this look like? And, and, and let's not just say we're following Jesus. Let's be sure that we are following Jesus. So, so how can we know? How can we tell if we're following Jesus? Well, that's what the 5G life is all about. It's a biblical model, a biblical framework for us to be able to talk clearly and specifically and even in practical terms about what it is to follow Jesus. And then together, linking arms together to saying, let's encourage each other in this path. So I want to explain here why we're doing this here, why this teaching series, why this direction for our church, just so you'll know that I got six things, six points here. Number one is clarity. Clarity. We're after clarity. We want, we want to achieve great clarity on what it means to follow Jesus here in our local church. Right? If you, if you ask 
you ask, uh, you ask 10, 20 different people at our church about, you know, what is, it, what is the disciple of Jesus? What does that look like? You would probably get similar answers, but it would all sort of sound different, different terms and different language. And if you came from a certain Christian background, certain tradition, you might have different words and ways of talking about it that to somebody else may not be clear as it is to you. What we want is we want clarity. We want to, we're, not, we're not saying we don't like your terminology. We're just saying we just want to, we want to be on the same page together, clear about what matters most. If there's not clarity, there's what? There's confusion. Confusion. So we're after clarity. We achieve great clarity on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, Hope Niagara. When you have great clarity, that fosters great unity. Great unity. So we want to be together on this, together, encouraging one another, uh, praying for one another in these ways, in our small groups, holding each other accountable to these things because it matters and we want to make our lives count. There isn't time to waste your life. So we want to be together on this, to build strong unity together, to be of one mind in Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul repeatedly talks about the believers being of one mind, the importance of being of one mind, that we agree together on these things. That's what we're after here. We're after clarity. We're after unity. Third, we're after consistency. That is to say... Throughout all of our church ministries, throughout all that we're doing, from here in our worship services to Hope Kids to Hope Youth to Young Adults to small groups, we want to establish a fruitful consistency in all the ministries in our church. In fact, right now, as we are here and you're listening to this sermon right now in this service, right now in Hope Kids, the same content's being taught to our kids as well about being 5G disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Youth are going to get some, some studies on this as well. Small groups could be unpacking this as well. We want to be all through the church, a consistency together on how we think about, talk about, and strive after following Jesus. Clarity, unity, consistency for, this is huge, this is huge. Everybody say, this is huge. Maturity. Maturity. Because this is actually what it's about. It's about, yes, coming to know Jesus in the first place. That's massive. But following Jesus, what does it look like when I'm following Jesus? Well, there's maturity in my life. I grow up in Jesus Christ. Too many followers of Jesus are babies way too long. There's some, and they're going to get just a, just a little abrasive here. Okay, a little abrasive but I love you, but I want you to hear me. There's some of you who are still in diapers and still on breast milk. They should be long past that by now. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not looking at anybody. I don't have anybody in mind, honestly. It's just reality. And so what we're after is we're after maturity. We're after growth. We love babies. We love baby, baby Christians. It's thrilling to have baby Christians in the church. It's awesome. They read stuff like, like the flood for the first time. Like, hey, have you seen this in here? Did you see what God did? This is amazing. They, they read these, these accounts of what God did in Israel. Have you, have you seen this? We love it. We love it. We love it. But some of you, some of you have been in Jesus a long time and still, well, we, we, need, we need to get moving here. We need to get growing. And so what we're after is we want to move distractions and excuses and call for maturity in our church to grow up in Jesus. Number five, urgency. Urgency. To reinforce the urgency of living for what matters most. Ephesians 5, 6, 15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Making the best use of the time. Here's what I'd say. There isn't enough time for us to play games. We don't have time to play church. We don't have time to debate and, and just do religious stuff. We, we, there isn't time. Life is too short. I woke up this morning, thank God I'm alive, but I'm one day closer to eternity. I got one last day to serve Jesus. There isn't time to mess around, to play games, to get off into tangents, to get over sidetracked into agendas. Maybe other places and in, in other circles, they'll want to debate this and be all up in, uh, in arms about this and have this agenda over here. That's fine. God bless you if that's how he's leading you. But here at Hope Niagara, this is what we're after. We're after following Jesus. That's it. That's what we're after. And because there isn't time for these other things. Hell is hot and coming quickly. Heaven is for real. Your life is short. Don't you want to spend it on what matters? That's what I want. That's what I want. So you feel like I feel the urgency. You feel like you come up and touch me right now. You feel the urgency. This matters, folks. This matters. I could be in eternity tomorrow. 
So I don't want to dally around and waste my life. And I don't want you to either. And you don't want to, do you? Urgency, urgency. That's a big one, right? That's a really big one. But pastor is shaking. He's so fired. I am. Number six, fruitfulness. This is what we want. I, I want to produce fruit in my life that pleases the Lord. I want to honor him. It's all about making much of Jesus. We want to be maximally fruitful in being disciples of Jesus. Disciples who make more disciples. So this is, this is the purpose. This is why we're doing this series. This is why we've got banners on the wall. This is why we're going to have stuff to hand out to you. This is why we're all on this 5G life. Is Because again, it's a means of us talking clearly and biblically about what it is we're after making our lives Count. So this is the purpose of the series. Now I want to talk to you about the theology of the series. Okay, now don't go to sleep on me in theology, because theology, I mean, this is, this is biblical truth. This is, this is the heart of this. What I'm being called to believe. Well, first of all, I'm being called to believe this. I'm being called to believe that as a true follower of Jesus, I must abide in him. There we go. I must abide in Jesus. At the heart of following Jesus is abiding in him. I'm going to take some time today to unpack that, what, it, what that means, so I won't dwell on this. Second, I also got to believe that, that I'm being asked to believe that as a true follower of Christ, I must connect with other believers. I must connect with other believers. Notice I put here in the screen, God has designed his church as a body. In order to follow Christ, I must be fully engaged in his body. And that's one of the things I'm going to call you to do. I'm going to call you. I'm going to challenge you. For some of you who maybe have been on the periphery, maybe sort of checking us out, welcome, glad you're here. You're more than welcome here. But I want to push you, I want to push you to pick a lane and, and to, to determine, is this, is, this, is this where you want to be? Maybe we're not your cup of tea. Not everybody likes tea. Maybe, we're not, maybe somewhere else is a better fit for you. But if it's here, then we, we want you to get connected here, get vitally connected in this church body, in our family, to get engaged, because that's what followers of Jesus do. We're connected to one another. Abide, connect. Third, share. Share. The theology of what we are... Uh, oh, sorry, I got... Did I skip some slides there? I think I might have, yeah. You're the man, though. I love that. Thank you so much for covering me. That is love. That is love, right? He's just covering for me. You can go back to that verse, actually. It's really good. We've got to get theology, we've got to read the Bible. Here's Romans 12, verse 5. So we, though many, though many, here we are, right? Good morning, the many, are one body in Christ. And I tell you, you got a great body, loved ones, this morning. You look great. I love you. We're one body in Christ. I mean, like, what did he just say? Never mind. And individually, members of one another. See, when you're in Jesus, you're joined to your brothers and sisters because we're joined to him. And I know it doesn't really look like it because we're still, I mean, we're still me. This is me and this is my personal space. Stay out of it. But we are joined to Jesus and in joined to him, we have a connection together. God's design is not that just we would just talk about being family, but that we be family. Not just to talk about being a body, but to function as a body. I got another verse here, don't I? Got another one here. Just show the next slide here. Just lead me through. Keep going. There we go. Okay, we're back into this. Now, thirdly, we've got, we've got this last word here, uh, share. Share. A true follower of Jesus must share him with others and multiply disciples. Now, we think of this in two ways. Think sharing him with one another within the local church, like pouring into each other ministering to each other. You know, that's a vital ministry that every believer has. Did you know that? Every believer, we're going to unpack this in this series, every believer is called to minister to each other. Even as we think about this, let me ask you right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, what brother or sister in Jesus are you pouring into right now? You say, well, I don't, I don't really feel very equipped to pour into others. Sure, sure you are. If you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, you know Jesus, then you're equipped to do what he's equipped you to do so far. You get, who, who are you praying for? Who, who are you, you encouraging? Who, who in your life are you pouring into? You know, Paul told uh, Timothy, these things that you have heard from me, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. See, we're, we're called to edify one another. But we're also called to share Jesus with those who don't yet know Jesus. That's a vitally important part of being a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, Matthew four, uh, 5 and 14, he says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Let your light 
shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we want to be living lives that's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing others to him. And how about this verse here, Matthew 28? This is a real, really important one. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, notice baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We are called together to be on mission. And I want to point this out, that, that Jesus modeled all this, this abide, connect, share. We have that, this, this abide, connect, share. Jesus modeled this in his life. I mean, if you read through the Gospels, you can see the example Jesus set for us. He, he abided in his relationship with his Father. He, he, he was, I mean, think about it. The, the times we see him communing with his Father, praying, the, the times when he talks about, listen, I only, the words I speak are the words that my Father has given me. In fact, he said, my, my whole ambition in life is to do my Father's will. Jesus, well, he shows us what it is to abide in God. He also connected, didn't he? Think about the relationships that he had with his disciples. And then to share, well, I mean, he's the savior, right? He, he is the mission. He came on mission. And you can see here in this diagram what we're talking about. I am a Christ follower. Well, what does a Christ follower do? Well, we believe that we're called to do these three things, to abide in him, to connect with one another, and to share Jesus with those who God has placed in our lives. So this is the theology of what, what we are being asked to believe. Let me just ask you this morning, do you believe this? Do you believe it is vital for you to abide? Well, by the end of the service, I trust that you will, because we're going to see what Jesus says about that. To connect with other believers, to have fellowship together, you are made to be in this body. You're made in Jesus. You're saved in Jesus to be part of a local church body. And then to share him with others. If I'm not sharing Jesus that I'm not following Jesus as he calls me to. So these, these are important issues. I am a Christ follower. How can we tell? We can tell when we're doing these three things. Now, let's get real specific here. Talk about application. And we think about application. Abide, connect, share. You'll notice these are all to do. The main thing in all this is it's all about relationship. It's all about relationships. Our relationship with God Right? When we abide, it's our relationship with God, our relationship with other believers connecting together, our relationship with the world to share Him. Abide, connect, share. It's all about relationships. We see it in the life of Jesus and we see it in what we're called to as the followers of Jesus. Now, let me ask you this, okay? You relationship experts, you, you ready? What would you say is a key vital component? In every relationship, I'm, I'm expecting to hear communication. That's important, very important. What else? Time. Time. That's right. If you don't take the time, you'll never communicate. Because communication is important, but time, I mean, time is like, it is a key vital component in every relationship. I mean, think about the husband and the wife who don't spend time with each other. Think about that. How, how is that marriage going to go? Well, probably not good. Think about friends that you have in your life. They, they got to be good friends because you spent time together. And a time is it's a vital commodity, a vital component of every relationship. So therefore, a key in our discipleship, if our discipleship is all about relationship, then the key emphasis in our discipleship is in our use of time. And remember, where we began, we don't have a lot of it. We've only got so much time, so it matters how we use it. We want to be wise. We need to be strategic in how we use our time. And so that's what the 5G life, that leads us to this 5G model, the 5G life that we are talking about today and for these coming weeks. There's, there's five key ways that we're going to say, that we're going to commend you, five key ways that we make the best use of our time. So we've got five times. First of all, we've got God time. We've got, next one, we've got gather time. We've got group time. We've got give time. And we've got go time. Go time. Have you ever gone outside in the summertime 
and you're like, you're so thirsty, there isn't time to go inside to get a drink, you have to drink now, and so you fire on the hose, and you let loose the spout, and, and it sprays you in the face. That's kind of like the sermon is so far, isn't it? We're just like, whoa, whoa, let's, another slide, just, whoa, whoa, people are taking pictures, it's flying so fast. We're going to keep coming back over this. Listen, we're going, to, we're going to keep rolling this dough till it's ready for pizza, okay? I don't even know what that means, but we're going to keep rolling back over this until we get it together. There's, it's all about relationship. One of the most important parts of every relationship is the investment of time. If there's no time spent, there's not really going to be a relationship. So we want to make the best use of our time. How do we do that? We've identified together. We agree. We've inherited this. Again, it's not ours. We didn't come up with this. We didn't have just this eureka moment like, oh, 5G life. No, we, we've got this. It seems wise. It is biblical. And this, we're all in on this. Our elders, our staff, we're all in on this. Five different times that we believe are important for the disciples of Jesus Christ. Essential for the disciples of Jesus. First is God time. By this, we're talking about an intentional pursuit of God daily. Daily. Now, God willing, that's going to be next week's sermon. Okay? We're going to talk about God time. Then the week after that, gather time. This is the choice to join God's family in worship weekly. So every day, I'm pursuing God in my personal relationship with Him. God time. Every week, I'm gathering with my brothers and sisters for worship of God with the church family. Third, group time. It's a commitment to growth and accountability by meeting with a community of believers. We're going to say faithfully, faithfully. We'll have a sermon on this as well. Practically speaking, how do we do this at Hope Niagara? Small groups. Small groups, baby. This is, how, this is our strategy for this piece here. We'll talk more about this. We've got men's ministry. We've got women's ministry. We've got hope group. We've got small groups gathering together in fellowship and community with other believers. We say faithfully here because some groups meet every single week. Some groups meet three out of four weeks. Some groups meet every other week. But the, the commitment that I'm going to make is I'm going to be faithful in doing that because that's what followers of Jesus do. We believe in gather time. We believe in group time. We also believe in give time. And so this will be a sermon as well. This is a resolve to steward what God has given me by giving back to him regularly. Now you see give there, and in a church setting, you probably think, oh yeah, offering. I saw the bags this morning. I know what that sermon is going to be about. Don't assume. Don't assume because giving financially is only one way that we give. Notice what we're saying. We didn't say anything particular about money here in this point. It's a resolve to steward what God has given me. That, may, that includes my finances, but it also includes my, my talents. It includes my time. It includes my passions, my gifting. See, giving is really about serving the Lord in all the different ways that he has opened for us to do. God time, gather time, group time, give time, and then Go time. So sermons on all these. Go time. It's time spent laboring for the spread of the gospel locally and globally. And we're going to say annually. Annually. It's like, oh, great. Once a year. That sounds easy. No, no. Listen. It's a starting point. It's a starting point. What we're saying is, is at a minimum at Hope Niagara, is how we understand following Jesus, we want to be on mission. So in the very least, what we want to encourage each other to do and hold each other accountable to do is at least annually to invest specific intentional time in seeing the gospel advance here locally in Niagara and or globally around the world. See these five times. We don't have much time, do we? So what's, what's the best? You, how do I maximize this short with this breath, this hand breath, this mist? How do I maximize this? What we're saying to you is by being strategic and intentional about how you use your time, especially in these five ways. Every day, God time. Every week, gather time. Faithfully, group time. Regularly, give time. Annually, uh, go time. Now, we got the complete diagram here. If you like diagrams, you'll love today's message. Okay, love today's message. And you can tell I didn't create these because they're neat and tidy. Okay, if it was me creating these, it'd be like, what is that? It'd be like, it looks like interpretive art if I'm drawing it. But here we've got, I am a Christ follower. Now, flowing out of being a Jesus follower, what does that mean? It means I abide in him. I connect with his people and I share him with others. Okay, well, what does that look like? Well, when I'm abiding in him, it looks like God time. When I'm connecting with, with his people, it involves gather time and group time. 
When I'm sharing him, it involves give time and go time. And it flows back in the other, in the other direction as well. God time, gather time, group time, give time, go time, all flows into abide, connect, share, because we're followers of Jesus Christ. This is indeed, this is what we're talking about, the 5G life. Now, again, if you're scrambling, taking pictures, saying, man, oh, man, stop, turn the tap off. So we're going to go back over this again and again. Okay, we're just, we're just introduction. Just, I'm just coming here. I'm dumping everything out of my Santa sack onto the floor so you can see what's all there, and we'll pick through it over the next uh, few weeks. But I want to show you here this next, uh, this next slide because this is really important, um, especially if you're, if you're wired in a certain way this can become something that it's not intended to be. This is not a legalistic burden, but a calling to follow. So, so we're not putting these five times now out for you as check marks. And if you're doing this, then you're being a good Christian. That, that's not the heart. That's not what we're trying to say. The, the five times are practical expressions of a life that's joined the Jesus. So it is not meant to be a legalistic burden, but a calling to follow. We're not trying to earn favor. We're not trying to get stickers on our chart in heaven, although God rewards his children, does he not? But we're not trying to earn favor with him, but rather we're responding to his love. Look, look how he has loved me in Jesus, and this is what he calls me to. As I do this, I will know his love more and more and reflect that love back to him. We don't intend for this to be a formula or even a campaign in our church, but a, so it says pay, it should say path. You can tell I did that, right? A path of joy and a way of life in our church. It's a path of joy. Do you know this? Jesus wants you to be happy. Like that doesn't sound like a conservative and evangelical preacher talking. Jesus wants me to be happy. His teeth aren't shiny enough to be saying stuff like that. He does want you to be happy, but not in the fluttery, fleeting sense that the world speaks of happiness, but a happiness that's deep-seated and joyful that flows out of a vital union with Christ. He wants you to be happy in the richest sense, to be happy with the joy that comes from him. Our happiness increases as we walk his path. See, it's, it's for your joy that we want to teach the 5G life and then walk this 5G life together. It's a path of joy. And it's a way of life for our church. Our elders, our staff, our key leaders, we've been talking about this, praying about this, and I can say we're together on this. And we want all of our church family to join together in not, not, in, a, not in a strategy and a diagram and a model, but in the biblical path that Jesus has put before us. And that's, that's what this series is all about. Now, you might be wondering, if you've been here a while, you might be wondering, so how does this all fit? Like, I know we've got different things. We've got pillars, and we've got a mission statement. How does this all fit? Let me just show you in one diagram. Again, you can tell that I didn't create this because it's neat and tidy, and there's no spelling mistakes. Here's our mission. Here's our purpose. It hasn't changed. God help us never will change. It's to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. If you're new to church, the Great Commission is Jesus' call on us to make disciples of Jesus who also make disciples. The Great Commandment, it's to love. We're to love God with everything we've got and to love one another, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we're to make disciples and make disciples and do it with a spirit, with an attitude of love, to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the great commandment. We've got here on the bottom here, the bottom is the foundation is Jesus. He's, he is our foundation. He always will be our foundation. And then you see we've got here our five pillars on top of that. Now these five pillars are still, they're still there. They haven't gone anywhere. Our pillars are the practices that we prioritize. Or you put it another way, it is the, the biblical means that we hold to of doing the ministry that God has called us to do. So we prioritize the preaching of the word. We prioritize worship. We prioritize prayer, evangelism, fellowship. So these are our pillars. Jesus is the foundation. Here's the pillars. These are the practices we prioritize all toward making disciples of Jesus so that we can fulfill the mission. 
Here's our mission. Here's who we are. Here's how we do it. Here's our foundation. You see the whole picture all together. Now, I've tidied it all up in one nice little bow. You like bows on presents? I love bows on presents, except when they get in the way and I can't get it off and can't get my present open. But here it is. Here's a beautiful bow, I think. I'll pull it all together. We exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment by making 5G disciples. This is what we're after. As we fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment, the fruit on the tree as we preach, as we pray, as we evangelize, is that we would be making 5G disciples. And this is what we are all in on. So today's message, and God willing, the next five weeks, is about casting fresh vision for discipleship that's clear, understandable, practical, observable, and God help us, biblical. Biblical. Now, I've been up here a long time. I haven't asked you to open your Bible yet. This is terrible, isn't it? We open your Bible now to John chapter 15. And we're beginning really our teaching here in earnest now on the 5G life because probably the best way I can serve you this morning is to help to show you that what we're talking about today is not a a man-made strategy but is a helpful way of applying the Word of God. In particular today, what Jesus says, John chapter 15, the context is quite a moment it is quite a moment. John chapter 15 is the night before Jesus died. So that's pr- there's big things are happening. Big things are about to happen. The most important event in the history of human history is about to happen. And Jesus is spending that precious little time. It's like connect time. This is like, this is like connect time on steroids here, right before he's arrested and then crucified, where he is really pouring into the disciples and he is getting them prepared for what's to come, not only in the next few hours, but in the years to come. And so he's spending some intense time with them. In John chapter 15, he uses for them an analogy that's really important for them and for us in understanding what it means to follow Jesus. Have a look at verse 4, John 15 and verse 4. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. See, it's a word picture. You got that in your mind? It's like, imagine, imagine a vine and branches coming off of it. Okay? I'm the vine. You are the branches. Middle of verse 5. Whoever abides in me and I in him, for joined together, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That is, nothing truly pleasing to God. Nothing of eternal value. Nothing that fits under the umbrella of what somebody does when they follow Jesus. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. So let's review where we've been. This is this first teaching point here for you to get. If you haven't written anything else down, make sure you get this. Number one, go for it there, Daryl, you're on it. I can just look at my notes I have written down here. A true Christ, as a true Christ follower, I must abide in him. As a true Christ follower, I must abide in him, in Jesus. This is talking about, I understand this to be a close Intimate, dependent, real, living relationship with Jesus Christ. So I live a life that's powered by him, that's shaped by him, that is in real faith friendship with him. To, to abide, lots of, your, lots of your Bibles this morning, depending on what translation, English translation you have, lots of your Bibles will use the word remain. Remain, and, and that's helpful, right? Like a, you know, a branch remaining attached to the tree is vital for the fruitfulness of that branch. I, I don't, I'd have to ask a translator, but I, I think they probably opted for that because the word abide is probably a little archaic. Like we don't use abide a whole lot 
in the English language anymore. But to me, the, the word abide there, actually, it fits really well because to, to remain just sort of sounds like you, you stay there. And just staying is fine, staying. And, but, but the idea is more of, of dwelling and not just dwelling there, but, but being connected there. So I think to abide really works. You know, there's, um, there's a few different routes that I have when I walk my, my dog, who I, I love too much, but that's another talk sometime. But anyway, I walk my dog different places, and uh, one of the routes that we take takes us past somebody's yard, their backyard, and they have a, a long fence, a chain-link fence. And across their chain-link fence are grapes. And uh, I don't know if this is right or wrong. I don't know the ethics behind this or not, but I had just full confession right now. Rarely do I ever walk by that grapevine this time of year without stopping and eating at least one, at least one. And, uh, you, you know, somebody asked me, they don't, they don't really taste all that good, do they? I'm like, I don't know, it just tastes good. It's just probably because I didn't pay for it. It's evil somehow, I don't know. But no, I take, I take that grape, and it's actually kind of more seed than it is grape, really. But I can't, I can't help it. Every time I go by, I just like, oh, there's a ripe one, and take that, and, it, and the juice gets on my finger. It's just, it's a, I didn't have grapes growing up in Peterborough like that, okay? So it's pretty cool to me to have this. Now, if any of those branches are not connected to the vine, there's no grapes for Roscoe to eat. They're not going to be there. And if you're not joined to Jesus in an intimate relationship, it's not going to be any grapes growing out of you either. You understand what I mean? Yes. Understand what Jesus is saying? So life in Jesus is something, this is so important to understand, life in Jesus is something that continues. It's not just a once-for-all decision that you made. Some of us think that. Some of us think that being a Christian is... You make a decision, you say a prayer, and now that's done, and now I'll just sort of live my life and wait for heaven. That's not a biblical view of the Christian life. And you can see as Jesus talks about following him here, using this picture, that's not what he envisions as discipleship either. It's not a once-for-all momentary experience. It's not a moment-in-time decision. Rather, it continues. It's real. It's like, think of, think of your best friend, whoever your best friend is. There's a relationship there. There's connecting. There's encouraging. There's sharing. There's helping. There's crying. There's laughing. There's, this is just going on. It continues. It's not your best friend isn't somebody you met once and then never saw again. Or if that's what you're thinking, they're not your best friend. They're not even a friend. Too many of us have a view of Jesus like that. Oh, I said a prayer. I know Jesus. I made a decision. What, what, what kind of decision did you make? Jesus says here very clearly, verse 4, abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. You see, there's a relationship here. The branch, you, must be connected to the vine. That's where the life comes from. The sap flows into you from him. Abiding in Christ means that you are loved by him, kept by him, powered by him. His spirit indwells you. Abiding in Christ means that you love him. You trust him. You depend on him. You talk to him. You listen to him in his word. You pursue him. And the result is indeed fruit. Remember one time discipling a guy, and I just talked about fruit. As using the word fruit, talked about producing fruit in our lives. And I'd use the word a whole bunch of times. At a certain point in the conversation, he stopped me. He's like, Ross, what's fruit? What are you talking about? Fruit. That's, that's a great question. We kind of assume that in our Christianese way of speaking. So fruit, so we're clear, is what your life in Jesus produces. Attitudes, affections, passions, actions, words that are produced by Christ through you in the context of your relationship with him that are pleasing to him and glorifying to God. It's, it's the life you live in obedience to Jesus that's produced not by your choice to obey him, but by the fact that you're joined to him by faith. And he works in you and through you. The point is this, ultimately, is that when you abide, when you abide in Jesus, it shows. It shows. It's like I got a little tree in my backyard. Somebody gifted me. It's a beautiful tree. It's growing, too. It's an apple tree. And some of you would look at it, you'd know right away it's an apple tree. But here's the thing about me. I wouldn't know if you didn't tell me. And you know why? Because there's no apples on it yet. 
So if I didn't know, and we went out in the yard, some of you would be like, well, that's an apple tree. I can see it for the leaves and the look of everything. But I don't know. I don't know stuff about plants and trees and stuff. But I can tell if it has apples on it, I know it's an apple tree. Do you see? I figured that out. If it grows apples, it's an apple tree. If you produce Christ-exalting, God-glorifying apples in your life, you're a Christ follower. It shows. You can tell. And that's what Jesus wants for you. And if you don't, you got to stop back and ask yourself, why is that? Like, if you don't look like a Jesus follower in your attitude, in your actions, in your passions, in what you say, you, you got to ask yourself that question, why is that? It could be that the Lord has brought you here today as a means of disciplining you to get reconnected with him like you once were and to begin again to bear fruit like he saved you to do. It also could be that the Lord brought you here today to hear this passage, to be given this picture so that you will realize that you're not actually joined to Jesus at all in the first place. Which is a devastating thing in a moment, but it's an awesome thing when you realize there's an open invitation for you today to join yourself to him. See, the beginning of the passage, in verse 2, Jesus says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, God, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, if we have more time, I could, we could unpack even greater detail the context of this passage, but I'll just say this. Not long before Jesus got in to talk about the vine and the branches, there was another dude in the room who left. His name was Judas Iscariot. And he looked like he was a branch joined to Jesus until it became apparent that he wasn't. Earlier this week, I ventured back into the bushes in my backyard not to spy on my neighbors, but to remove some, I don't know what it is, some huge vine leafy thing. It's, it's incredible. Like I'm almost, I, just, I almost had a, word, a moment of just paying my respects to the thing and how healthy it was and vibrant. But it's all wrapped around my bushes and stuff like that. And it's little leaves are sticking out of the bushes. You can tell from a mile away, that's not a bush. That's something growing in there. And I got to find my cutting tools and get in there and chop that thing out. And it's interesting, is it's, it's all wrapped around in there. When you look past the leaves, you, you, for a moment, it's hard to tell the difference between the branches of the shrub and the vine, but you look closer, you can see, oh yeah, like it's different. So I get down in there. I probably should be ripping out the roots, but I, what do I know? I'm just in there cutting out, get, get this out of here so I can put it in the bags and put it to the curb and the good people of the region of Niagara come and take it away from me. That's what Jesus has talked about, but he's not talking about vines and bushes. He's talking about people. People who maybe grew up in Christians' homes, people who say Christian things, people who maybe have Christian friends. But if you're not bearing fruit for Jesus, then in some way, shape, or form, you're not following Jesus. And that's what we want you to do, is to follow him. See, as a true follower of Christ, I must abide in him. So I want to invite you today to know him. No more games. No more pretending. No more going through the motions. There isn't time for this. As a true follower of Christ, I must abide in him. Now, next week's sermon, God willing, we are going to look at how to practically apply this and cultivating an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. But understand this, a true follower of Christ must abide in him. Secondly, a true follower of Christ must connect with his people. Down in verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. There's, there's, I just see that word, and I, in our context this morning, I see that word, I see that verse, and I think, connect, connect. Jesus loved them. He says, you love one another like in ways that reflect my love for you. Well, how has Jesus loved you? I wrote down genuinely, faithfully, sacrificially, pouring himself out, himself out for me, and pouring himself in. Love one another. Being a Christian, listen, it's intensely personal, but it's not private. There's no such thing as a New Testament Christian who's not vitally connected to a local church. 
I'll say that again. There's no such thing as a New Testament Christian who is not vitally connected to a local church. And so we're going to call you to connect. So let me ask you, what, to what extent are you in here at Hope Niagara? Like, where are you at? Is there something that's holding you back? Is there something you need to figure out, something you need to understand, get clarity on? Let us know. Maybe we, we, we're here to serve you, here to help you. But my exhortation to you would be to pick a lane, loved one. To pick a lane. Stop straddling between lanes. I invite you to commit so you will connect with God's people. A true follower of Christ, I must abide in him. I must connect with his people. Thirdly, finally, I must share him with others. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, the fruit I've just talked about is the what your life produce, produces when you love and follow Jesus. Here in this verse, lots of commentators say, it seems here in this verse that Jesus has especially in mind the fruit of making other disciples, of sharing Jesus with others. And that's why I highlight that here for you in verse, in verse 16. Remember in Acts 1 verse 8, if you've read the book of Acts, Jesus said to his disciples, his last words before leaving them, you will be my witnesses. Loved one, have you seen some things with the eyes of your heart? Have you seen some things about Jesus? He calls you to be a witness for him. So for us to be thinking about this, this week, even today, who, who am I sharing Jesus with right now in my life? Or who is somebody who doesn't know Jesus that I'm praying for right now? Because sharing Jesus is part of following him. So let's review here. As a true Christ follower, as a true follower of Christ, I must abide in him, connect with his people, and share him with others. So loved ones, this is where we're going. This is what this teaching series is all about. We're going to unpack this again and again and uh, as we cast a vision for discipleship. But my question for you as I close is this. Here at Hope Niagara, this is where we're going. And I want to know, are you in? Are you in? Are you, as you hear these things, you're like, yes, this is, I can see this in Scripture. Yes, my heart is in this. This is what I want. I want to follow Jesus together with my brothers and sisters. Are you in? Many of you are nodding your heads right now saying, yes, I'm all in. I'm so blessed by that, so encouraged. If you were just like here this morning right now and you're saying, yeah, I'm in, but I don't, what do I do next? Like, where, where, uh, I'm in. Do I put my hand up? Do I stand up? Do I do a dance? Like, what do I do? Say, I'm in. Here's a painfully practical step that you can take today before you go. We have in front of every person in this room, in the back of the chair in front of you, these little cards are called connection cards. And what I invite you to do today, and I would encourage every one of you, to fill one of these out. You say, Ross, I haven't carried a pen with me since we used to have pocket guards. I have, we, we got you covered. You can just scan the QR code and use that. You're like, I don't scan QR codes. I can't help you then. Okay, I don't know. I'm, I, I can only do, I'm only one man, all right? <laughs> we got these connection cards. I encourage every one of you, either electronically or physically, to fill one of these out. You say, Ross, I've been in here. I've been here longer than you've been here. Yeah, well, maybe you got something to pray about. Like maybe there's a person in your life who's far from Jesus and you're like, I, I, they need to know Jesus. Or maybe there's a struggle, a hurdle in your life. There's two things that are going to happen with these cards. If you are trying to figure out how do I get connected here in this local church, like next steps, then you fill that out and you leave it at the desk on your way. You say, what desk? The one that's right out there in the lobby. There's some wonderful smiling people there that will take those from you. And we will follow up with you in due course and help you take next steps to get connected here in our church. For prayer, if there's something specific you want prayer for, we have a monthly prayer and praise. And this month, we're going to collect these together. And at our prayer and praise, we are going to pray for every request that we're given this month. So if you want prayer, not only will the staff be praying for you, but we, our church family, will be praying for you this month 
as we collect these in just a few weeks' time. So take advantage of this today. I want to invite you to take hold of that connection card, to use it, to fill it out, to leave it at the desk on your way out. And something else for you to take with you today. Aren't these really cool? This is, I am a Christ follower. This is the whole message today on one card. So you've been taking notes right now. I'm like, oh, you should have told me there was, there was notes being given. Oh, it's just a free gift, free gift. And maybe you can share this with someone else and talk about, somebody says, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What, what's a Christian? What are you talking about? Well, here's a tool that you can use to talk about, well, here's, in our church, here's what, how we describe it, what it means to follow Jesus and a reminder about what we're after as we enter into this season. I'm going to ask Alec and the band that they come and they're going to lead us in a closing song. And as they do, let me pray. Let me pray for us.